Hey, you're listening to the GGC Life Podcast. Weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. Welcome to church. God is so good. Um, you know, I found a calendar app that um, countdowns, it counts my days down. And um, I thought I'd put it at 80 years old. I know I'm going to live much longer than that. But the Bible actually says, Lord, teach me to count my days that I, be, that I may be wise. If we think of how many days we've got left on this planet, like, if I, if, like I've got about 10,000 more days, around just over 10,000 more days when I hit 80. So I'm going to live a lot longer than that. But it, it gives me an idea of the time left I've got on my planet. I've lived way more than 10,000, probably 10,500, I think, if I remember right, when I looked at 50 years, 51 years. But if you knew you were going to be gone in a week's time, and you had one last speech to talk to your family or your loved ones, people that are close to you, what would you say to them? What you say to them is what's number one in your heart. When Jesus died on the cross, defeated Satan, defeated sin for us, died in our place, took our judgment on that cross and defeated the enemy on behalf of all mankind, went to hell and after three days and three nights was resurrected, took the keys of death and hell from Satan himself, took it and was resurrected. Now he's going to go to the Father and sit down at the right hand of God and he has an opportunity to tell his disciples, his followers, something. What's most dear to him, he'd say. Like, I, I think, what would I say if I had this moment? And Jesus says, this powerful commandment. It's not a suggestion. It's a commandment to every single one of us. Go into all the world and preach the gospel, the good news, of the kingdom. Not the gospel of your church, not, the go- not, not this small gospel. I'm talking about the gospel of the kingdom of God. We represent a kingdom. So I want us to understand, I'm gonna, I want to talk about, basically I want to talk about how, how we, we as believers should impact our sphere of influence. And I'll explain what sphere means. A sphere is an activity or interest in a particular area or activity or interest. So it's, a, it's, it's an activity or interest in a particular area. Like if you're a doctor, your sphere of influence will be the, the people you minister to, the people you impact, your patients, your jurisdictional of authority. If you're the head doctor of a particular hospital, then you've got all this authority underneath you. If you're a teacher, a headmaster, or a teacher, your, your, your sphere of influence is the people God has given you. God has called every single one of us to go into the, what did he say? Go into the whole world. That word world means gos, uh, cosmos. So think about Jesus. I love his vision because it's all embracing and it's the whole world. It says, go into the whole world, the whole cosmos, And preach this gospel of what? The kingdom. You represent a king. You you belong to a king. To have a kingdom, you have to have a king. Now, we we don't understand this. That when we accepted Jesus, we accepted him as the king of our life. A king means he he leads and he owns everything. And he's the the king of a domain. The domain has to be, there has to be a domain. The domain has to be his territory. A king can't be a king, a king if he doesn't have a domain to rule over. So God is the king of everything, king of the universe, king of the whole earth, and he's the king of you. He's the king of every single person. The first thing I believe that God's king over is people, right? Because he owns us. 
So when you understand, okay, I belong to a king, and I'm representing the kingdom. I'm, we're actually ambassadors. Everywhere you go, everywhere I go, we influence the world around us, our spheres. People have said there are seven mountains that mold, shape our culture. Can I tell you what those seven mountains are? These are the seven mountains that shape our culture. It's the mountain of government, leadership, rulership over a country, government. The mountain of um, education. I'll just name them first and I'll talk on a, on a little bit, a bit about it. The mountain of education, you think, what's education got to do about a mountain? It's very, very, very powerful. The world, the enemy wants to teach our kids all the wrong stuff. If we let them, they will. And so God is saying, go out there, influence every mountain. And I, uh, so the mountain of government, mountain of education, mountain of family. The enemy wants to corrode, corrode our family values, our foundation. I'm telling you, family, husband and wife and children is the founding block. It's the cornerstone. It's the, it's the foundation of our society. You wreck the family, you destroy our society. Where to influence and uphold family the way God intended family to be. And you know the attacks that come on the family. They want to call anything anything and, and get rid of God's definition of marriage. What are we called to do? To go into the whole world and preach God's kingdom, God's standard, God's values, God's word. So we said government, education, family, religion, which is faith in God. The, the, the world wants to make it just ritual and tradition and man-made religion. We're talking about a relationship with God. Okay, and then we have entertainment. Entertainment is everything: movies, radio, um, you know, musicians, sport, uh, people that have uh, brilliant athletes. Uh, all that is entertainment. And then the last one is media. We are to influence all those mountains. What a great, great example! Last night or yesterday, with Scott Morrison winning the prime minister. That's a great example, I believe, of. Us influencing the government. I'll tell you why. The enemy wants to say, oh, we don't talk about two subjects, religion and politics. Don't talk about religion. Why? Why would you not talk about the most important subject, your eternal salvation, your eternal redemption, and politics, which is leadership and government that sets our values and jurisdiction and legislation and our rules and our laws? Why should you not talk about two most important things? Because the enemy doesn't want you to say anything. Keep your mouth shut, please. Who do you think founded this, the, 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 um, Australia? Christian values. America was also founded on Christian men that believed the Bible and, and wrote the Constitution to make America based on the Christian values. But you know what they've said over the many, many, many years? Oh, we should have the separation from religion and state. They tried to separate it, but yet it was their foundation. But the, 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 what the enemy wants to do is, uh, we've got to separate it. No, we're supposed to influence it. Well, how do you know that, Leah? Because the Bible teaches it so clearly throughout the whole Bible. I'm not speaking on my behalf. I'm telling you. I'm not telling you what I think we should do. This is from God. You want to, can I show you? All right. Just so in case. Once upon a time, do you know the Renaissance? You know, like the, the, uh, what's Galileo? He was, is that the right name? Galileo, yeah, he was, he was a Christian. He was a great scientist, an inventor. Leonardo da Vinci, they were Christian men, believers in God. There's so many where we, we were the forefront of the arts. The church was cutting-edge creativity. We were setting the standards, and the world was going, wow. 
then we lost that. We lost all that and we gave everything to the enemy. All those seven mountains I mentioned, we said oh, uh, give, we give that away because, I don't know, about 100 years ago, maybe even 50 years ago. So there's a period in the 19th century where the preaching was, the world is worldly and it's all ungodly. Come out from among them and be separate, saith God. And so anything to do with the world, we thought was ungodly. And we interpreted it like this. Be, be, come, out from, uh, come out from among the world and be isolated. That's how we interpret that word. God said be separate. That's in heart and attitude and in our values. That's in our belief. Be separate, but not isolated. Because you can't influence the world if you're separate. I'm sorry, if you're isolated, excuse me. If you're isolated from the world, you get me? So, so I'm telling you, we lost so many great musicians, gifted people from God in the 1940s and 1950s, where they, these massive gifts in the church rose up. And we, and we, oh, he's doing something out there. And it's not in the church. They're writing a song and it's gone secular. Oh, it's of the devil. That's how religious we've been. And we've attacked that. So you, you can't. You can't sing a song, can't write a song or a movie unless it's about Jesus. Now, now, don't get me wrong. You can sing a song about marriage and about love and about all these other things and not have necessarily scripture in it and still influence the world. Right? It's like having an artwork and when they make artwork, it's like it had to be a godly thing where you can't, well, you can't pay creation. You can't talk about marriage in a song or a love between a man and a woman. Of course you can. I'm not saying not to preach the gospel. Absolutely, they're the platforms we get. But we became so separate that we weren't even among them to influence them. Please hear what I'm saying. We lost a lot of great artists. And the the church burnt them, hurt them, and wounded them because we attacked them when they did anything for God. I mean, Amy um, Grant was one of the pioneers. She wrote a song about a baby, and she got attacked for it, about her own child. And it went to number one, or it went really well, and everyone was attacking. Oh, that's not ungodly. No, it's not. It's so sad. But I'm trying to help us think. We've done that to musicians and singers. I mean, so many great musicians that you know that started up in the church and were daughters or sons of pastors and preachers and learned their gift in the church. We need to know how to use the gift in the kingdom and influence the, the world with the kingdom. And not be afraid. Oh, no, if you go out there, they're going to influence you. No, they're not. We're going to influence them. Does that make sense? How do you influence a, a culture? See, those seven mountains, if you let the world run them, please hear what I'm saying, they'll shape the culture. We have to be salt. What did Jesus say about salt? You find this in Matthew chapter 5. I want us to read it because sometimes we just read it and don't realize what Jesus is saying. Matthew 5 verse 13. And what does Jesus say about the salt of the earth? See what I just said? Salt of the earth. You are the salt of your little home. Oh, no, you are the salt of your community. Simply your little community. Didn't even say you're the salt of the city or the country. He said you are the whole, you're the salt of the earth. God's vision is the whole earth. The salt is supposed to preserve, add flavor. Preserve. You, in those days, they didn't have refrigerators. They put meat in salt. Preserves. It adds flavor and it also creates thirst. But salt is good for nothing if it loses its flavor, its, its saltiness, its potency. Jesus said if it loses its saltiness, it's good for nothing and tread it upon people. Salt is powerful. We're also supposed to be the light of the earth. 
The light of the earth, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. What's Jesus' picture? We're supposed to be the one that everyone can see. So let your light shine in front of men. Let them all see and glorify your Father in heaven. But no, no one lights a light and put it under a little basket or under the bed in a house. No, he puts it up on a stand so that the light goes in all the whole house. We put the light where everyone can see so you can shed light. But Jesus says, you're the light. You are the light. Everywhere you go, you're the light of your spheres. We need light everywhere. You know, like we're talking about government. Absolutely, we need, we need, we need godly leadership. It's righteousness that exalts a nation, the Bible says. Education. If we let it go and we don't influence it, we don't go in there and speak up for what's right and true, you know what they want to teach our children. You know the agendas. I mean, we can't be stupid. We've got to begin there and we raise up the standard and they're going to start seeing from our fruit of our womb and our children how well, how well behaved they are. They don't chuck tantrums in public. Look how amazing. And how do they do that? Look how, look how solid they are, how strong they are, how secure they are, how focused they are. They've got vision. They've got purpose. They're 15 years old and know where they're going. I'm serious. They should look at our children and go, wow, what are you doing right? Oh, let me tell you. With the, again, with the salt, with the light. But if we, we're supposed to infiltrate. I love the teachers that we have here. We've got amazing teachers in the schools. We've got Rachel's influencing her school. In a powerful way, we've got Natasha is influencing her school. Places of influence, it's their spheres. There's Sarah Hammond. Sarah Hammond, where are you? Your teaching, your influence, your, your congregation, that's what I'm trying to say. Your congregation is your, your children. Your whole school is your congregation. You see what I'm saying? Business is the same thing. Or, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get too excited about this. Like my son Josiah is 21. Where is he? He's 21. He leads Rebel Sports Store. At the moment, he's got about 50, 60 staff, and, and he's, he's going to go to Miranda. The Lord's opened up a door for Miranda Rebel Sport. He'll have about 80 to 100 staff. That's his congregation. It's no less a calling than what I'm called to do. It's as spiritual. Please hear this. It's as spiritual than what I'm doing. We have to see it that way. Why is that less spiritual? It's not. Because we, in our brain, we got secular and uh, sacred. We think this is sacred. Oh, I want to be a full-time preacher. I want to be a full-time minister. What are you talking about? We're all full-time. We've got to really change the way we see it because we think that's sacred and that's secular. No, everything you're doing, you're called by God to influence your sphere. We need to believe this. We need to just really actually not... Or else everyone thinks, I want to serve God. So you think you're almost not fulfilling God's calling or not as important because what you're called to do, it doesn't have an eternal value if you view it wrongly like that. You think, well, all I'm doing is um, selling products at work. I'm, I'm in a retail. I'm just selling products. How's that going to help people's eternal value? God cares about that, right? And he, you're spiritual. I mean, Jeremiah is amazing. You're, you're a pastor, mate. He's a barista. Pastor barista Jeremiah. Right? Because he, you should see the way he loves the people. So I go to his cafe all the time. And, and, and so he makes coffee, but he connects with everybody. You know the word in the Hebrew? The word in the Hebrew for work is the same root meaning for worship. God saw you, your vocation, your work, the same as worship. I'm telling you, listen to this carefully. The Jewish people who know the scripture, they know very clearly, they know a couple of things. They know family really well. They do family 
brilliantly because of the Word of God in the Old Testament. And they understand work is worship. They don't separate it. And look how they have ruled the world. Jews are very powerful because they stick together. No matter where they are in the world, no matter where they were in the world in the past and the history, they stuck together in every community, in every city. They worked together. They, they supported each other. They, 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 they um, loaned money to each other without interest. That's in the Bible. They supported it. They knew family. And they understood work as worship. And God powerfully uses them. There's so many. First Peter chapter 2, verse 4 to 12 talks about, just in case you don't know this, but I want to show you in the Bible. And don't read it through religious lenses. Read it through the Word of God. Read it through kingdom lenses. First Peter. All right. Chapter 2, verse 4. Coming to him, to God, as to a living stone. Jesus is the living stone, rejected indeed by men. We know Jesus is rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, you and I are living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. What did God just call you? A holy priesthood. A holy priesthood. Think of what is, what is a priest. It's not the guy that's got... a, a a gown on with a white thing there. And respect me. It's not, I mean, I, I honor them. They're, some of them, they're doing a great work. You know, they know God, some of them. Some of them don't. But that's not what a priest is. A priest is every person that believes in God, according to the Bible. Please hear what I'm saying. Everyone, it says, and you are a holy priesthood. To offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Because of what Jesus did, he's called us all into priesthood. What's a priest? He talks to God on behalf of people. And then because he's talked to God on behalf of people and for people and intercedes for people, he's talking to God for them, he goes to people now and talks to them on behalf of God. That's what a priest is. And that's why every single one of us are priests. The Bible actually says that. It's a teaching found in the New Testament that there's no hierarchy and clergy. There's no like, this is the real anointed ones and you just little beeps there. God doesn't see it that way. He sees us all as one. Body. What do we call it? We're a family of God. We're all brothers and sisters. And every single one of us, when you read the Bible, it says, Jesus is your older brother. Well, that puts us on the same plane as Jesus. Joint heirs with Christ. Doesn't the Bible say that? If he's the head, we're the body. We're united together through Christ. As one family, one body. Does that make sense? That means we're all priests. Now, when you see yourself that way, when you wake up in the morning, I've got mission. I've got purpose. No matter what I'm called to do, I'm going to influence the world and I'm going to bring the kingdom everywhere I go. The domain of the king. If I'm submitted to the king, then I bring the kingdom everywhere I go. Does that make sense? We've got to take back these mountains. And another thing the Jewish people believe, because it's in the Bible, you know how they influence the mountains? Can I tell you how? By being the head and not the tail. By being above and not beneath. That's in the Bible. Deuteronomy 28 says, If you obey the word of the Lord and obey all these commandments, I'll make you the head, not the tail. I'll make you above, not beneath. I'll make you be the ones that lend money and never borrow. Like, wow. We never believed this. Like, we, the church was taught for many, many years, you've got to stay poor. To be humble is to be poor and poverty and have nothing. We, 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 we looked at wealth as, that's evil. That is so wrong. It's just not in the Bible. Every scripture, most of the people that wrote scripture were wealthy. Abraham was wealthy. Isaac was extremely wealthy. Was the Philistines envied him. Jacob was wealthy. Joseph was the prime minister of all of Egypt. You think he wasn't wealthy? 
Job was the richest man of all the East. And what is it? And actually tells us that. Why does it have to tell us that? If wealth wasn't important. In the kingdom, wealth is powerful, but you know where it is? It's right down the bottom of the ladder. In the kingdom. The bottom. Number one is love in the kingdom. It's people. What's most valuable in the kingdom? What's the lowest of values in the kingdom of God is actually money. It's still powerful, it's still important, but it's the lowest value to the kingdom. To the world, they're upside, upside down, isn't it? The world thinks money's the number one power, and people are to be used and abused and smashed and stabbed and backstabbed just so I can get money. That's how the world treats that. We've got to flip that around. People are the number one value to God and to us. I know people in the business world that I'm listening to and learning from. This entrepreneur, his name is Pedro Padeo or something like that. And he talks about love is one of the values of the kingdom. He's got products that he says, I have to stop selling that product. And he lost $300,000 in that year because that product wasn't good for the people. So he's come up with a better product. So that first year he lost $300,000 in the, that sale of those products because he made it healthy for the people. So in the name of making money, we don't care about hurting people. Health-wise, I'm talking about. So he made sure, he goes, you know what, this is not love. Love wouldn't do this. And, but God doubled his income in other areas, in other places. God blessed him. See, understand, when you put people first, when you actually care about people. Jeremiah 29, verse, um, it's around uh, 9, and it talks about, You can read it from chapter verse one of chapter twenty-nine because it actually talks about the children of Israel were taken into captivity to a Babylonian kingdom, and there's a ungodly kingdom that's uh, ruling. And God says, "I've called you to be. I'm going to bless you in that context, in that place. Yes, my plans for you are to prosper you, to bless you, to give you a hope, to give you a future in the context of a Babylonian kingdom." Pray for the good of the city, God tells them. Pray for the city. Why? Because I want to bless you in that context. And look at, I mean, I'm, I'm speaking about Daniel tonight. I'm going to give you so many, I just studied Daniel and studied Daniel and look at that book and looked because he influenced four kings. Now, you know, it's great that Scott Morrison's elected. It really is. And even if he wasn't elected, uh, God will still move and bring great revival to our nation. We don't need a, a Christian leader to have revival. You know that. Just want to let you know that because the number of reasons uh, communist countries are still having revival, countries that are persecuting Christians and throwing them in jail are still having revival. Daniel served ungodly kings at first until to the point where you worship this statue, and if you don't, we'll kill you. And he still went to the window where the Bible says he prayed three times a day as he did in the early since the early days. You know what that tells you? This is he's about this is about 40, 50 years. Because he had a rulership of 70. Four kings. And he still leaves the window open, knowing that the decree has been decreed, and he still prays to his God like normal. And what happens? He throws in the lion's den. God does a miracle. He doesn't get killed. And Nebuchadnezzar gets converted, so to speak. He's, he goes, man, the God of the Hebrews, we've got to worship him. Writes a letter to all the provinces. We need to worship the God of uh, uh, Daniel. What am I saying? He influenced the king that influenced the mountain of government. You don't need, you know what I mean, necessarily a a believer in leadership. You just need believers to be the salt. You need believers to be the light. I believe in this so much. I really do. I just think, God, every message I stand up here, I feel like it's the most important message I ever teach. And it should be like that because it's always the word of God. But we need to influence our spheres. 
When I read the Bible, I read, we should be writing the best songs. There's melodies in heaven, I'm telling you, I know this. There are rhythms and melodies and songs and lyrics and sounds we haven't even heard of that we could hear and write and bring it to the world. And shock the world with the creativity that comes from God because we are connected to the one that is the creator of the universe. We should come up with inventions. I believe the kingdom. There have been so many people that in uh, Christian believers, God-fearing people, that came up with inventions that we don't know about. But godly men heard from God and, and, and came up with a God idea. I mean, I've heard stories where God actually gave a vision of a formula. They're trying to come up with a chemical thing that cleanses, uh, you know, cleanses without being chemical, sorry. And, and they're trying to, it wasn't working for a long time, and God just gave him a formula, and that was the right one. And so it exploded. God gave one guy, you know, the arrow industry, um, what do you call them? Bow and arrows. In America, they're massive. This guy gets a design that's never been thought of. It's never been done. It's completely different from all the bow and arrows. And now he's got the biggest bow and arrow company in the world because God gave him the actual design. We need to trust that God could drop an idea, a thought that puts you on the cutting edge of your industry. We, I mean, again, Daniel was cutting edge. He was, he was learned in wisdom, knowledge, understanding, skill. And the Bible actually says it was 10 times better than all his competitors. All the other magicians and soothsayers and, and astrologers. And they were the ones that were wise. They were the wise, wise men of the day that canceled the king. And he was 10 times better because he knew God. He had an excellent spirit. We should be forefront, cutting edge of all that we put our hands to. We really should. We should be. I mean, it's all over the Bible. Joseph, didn't he impact his world? Joseph became the prime minister of Egypt, influenced as, as a leader, as a, like a king, really, before God. Esther, Mordecai, they influenced an ungodly nation. And almost the Israelites were going to be wiped out. And Mordecai speaks up, Esther speaks up, and saves Israel, the Jewish people of the day. But, but he was... Became, Mordecai became second to the king. Powerful people. Great leadership. We should have great leadership skills. It should be amazing. People should look at, how do you do that? How do you connect with people like that? How do you relate with people? How do you raise teams like that? We have to be the head, not the tail. There's so many examples in the Bible um, that ruled, that led, that shaped the culture. Let's not be afraid of the culture, but let's infiltrate the culture with kingdom values and bring the kingdom of God everywhere we go. Whether you're a business owner, I mean, even there's restaurateurs and people that own cafes. Your place of business should release heaven to some degree. Believe for it. Believe for love, friendliness, joy. What is it about this place? I don't know why I'm just attracted here. And, and I can go into a business, and I know when they're friendly to still want my money. I can tell. But I, I can also tell when you just love me for who I am. Whether I buy a coffee or sit there and have lunch or not, that you value me. That is what's going to attract people. There's so many. Um, God is doing it. I want you to know God is raising up an army, but we have to think the right way. If we think the wrong way, we hinder what God wants to do. 
Like I was telling you, if we think, oh, the world is well, ungodly, no, we can't touch the world, no. Like uh, maybe some of you, when I was speaking some of those things, maybe you thought, no, no, we can't be in government, no, should be separate. No, no, it shouldn't. We should be influencing. But the way we lead is kingdom values. If you're a businessman, for example, truth is your greatest powerful weapon. Truth. You live in truth, you walk in truth, you speak in truth. I heard one guy say that the person who is being truthful is the most powerful person in the room. Because you've got nothing to hide. If you're covering up things and lying and cheating and pretending and keeping that truth away, if you just be honest, vulnerable and transparent, truthful, be wise about it. But I've told you the most powerful person in that room because you've got nothing to hide. You're secure. You clean, you know. Like even in, in selling marketing, you don't have to exaggerate to sell something. You don't have to lie. You don't have to exaggerate. Even falsifying is wrong. You know, if you don't buy this product, uh, we've, got, we've, got, we've got so many products left, 100 products left, and it'll be sold out in a week's time. And if that's not true, you're falsifying. Because it's true that, you know, people buy out of putting a time thing on it. People have done that with PDFs, digital books. We're going to run out of books. How do you run out of digital books? We're going to run out of books and it'll be all sold out in a week if you don't buy your thing now. That's just falsifying. It's a PDF. You can get as many as you want. You know, and, and people are gullible. Go, oh, really? Okay. Oh. <laughs> We're infiltrating Hollywood. Should Hollywood, you know, movies shape the way the culture thinks? And, and we've got many producers, actors, People that are in there that are God-fearing, believing God. But obviously, we've got to do it with the truth of heaven and God. We're bringing it in. But I um, just want to write, read this out. One of the most influential and respected Christians in the movie business today is Ralph Winter. I don't know if you've heard of him. But he has produced such films as The X-Men, Tim Barton's recent remake of The Planet of the Apes, X2, and some of the most successful Star Trek movies. He has an exclusive deal to produce major blockbuster event movies for 20th Century Fox Studios, and most of the films are budgeted in the staggering 100 millions. Scott Derrickson is a writer and a director who is rapidly becoming one of the most sought-after screenwriters in the industry. He just finished a screenplay for Jerry Buckheimer, who is generally considered the, the single most powerful producer in Hollywood. Like many other Christians in the entertainment industry, Scott wants to be known both as a writer and a, as a Christian, but not as a Christian writer. Does that make sense? But he's influencing his world. And uh, we, we should be doing that in every area. Do you know how schools started, the education system? Started in the 17th century, mid, about 1780, because um, the kids used to go to work. Children worked, young children. And they were illiterate, they didn't know how to read. So Sunday school in church, because they all went to church, thank God. And the, the, the churches, it became a movement. The Sunday school taught the children how to read and write. In Sunday school. And it became such a move right across denominations. Everyone started doing it. It just became the norm. Because all the school kids worked during the week, they taught them on Sunday how to read and write and all that stuff. And how to read the Bible. They all gave them Bibles and everything. And it became a movement and it became a school during the week. But it was Christian. The hospitals were made by, was Christian birthed. So many benefits to society was born out of God giving them the idea and say, I see a need. Fulfill it. There is so many ideas out there that God wants us to be creative. I heard someone say this. Think about this for a moment. This is how creative we... The world's changing, isn't it? The world's changing. What worked 20, 30 years ago, if you tried to do this idea 20, 30 years ago, it wouldn't work. Try to do this idea maybe even 10 years ago, it wouldn't work. But Uber, 
All it was, was everyone, someone thought an idea. There's asset. You have an asset. It's your car. It sits in your garage. You go to work. Some of us catch a train, whatever. And your asset's sitting there. And this person thought, you know what? I can use someone's asset, be a good steward of that asset. Because that's what God's called us to do. Be a good steward. It's all kingdom principle. And now use that asset for somebody else that has a need. Meet that person's need. And it became a billion-dollar industry from an idea of stewardship, taking someone's assets that's wasting away and using it. Done that with Airbnb. But you try to do that 10 years ago, it wouldn't have worked. The, 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 the internet has connected safety, credibility. Um, you know, you can do ratings. People can find out about them. You know, and people feel safe. People, okay, and it can work. It had someone thought of it. I don't know if that Uber guy was a believer, but imagine if it was a kingdom person would have brought billions into the kingdom. We need to think like that. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about being creative and saying, God, one idea can make billions of dollars in these last days. I'm telling you, a creative idea can make billions. For the kingdom, not for yourself. Fedra, I don't know how true this is, but I saw something on, on the internet. Fedra, you know, this tennis player, sports player, he's, he's something like 85 million, or something crazy, he's going to build 85 schools in Africa. How brilliant is that? That's a sort of power, that's a sort of kingdom people we need. I'm not saying Federer is, I don't know what Federer's background is, but thank God he's doing that. But all I'm saying is that's the power and the authority that God is wanting to give us, the church, to bring kingdom everywhere we go. You're influencing, imagine influencing 85 schools, establishing with the money, just building the schools, putting the teachers in, and influencing thousands upon thousands of teach, uh, kids and teaching the Word of God and teaching kingdom principles and teaching those kids education the right way. Amen? There's so many examples. I'm going to encourage us to influence and impact the sphere that your God's called you to be. If you haven't seen it as full-time ministry, please do. Right now, just shift your thinking and say, okay, Lord, I believe whatever I'm doing, whatever I'm called to do right now, the season that I'm in, that's my congregation. That's my uh, people, sheep, God's sheep. My congregation, my, it's God's people. I'm called to minister to them, to help them, to impact them. Every person that comes into your business, if it's a, whatever it is, customer-based, you see them as, I want to bless that person. I'm not saying you have to preach to every single person that walks in. I'm just saying releasing God's kingdom, God's kindness, God's love, God's joy. Build connection with them. God will open up doors. You'll know how to influence and impact them for the kingdom. Amen? Can we pray? Wonderful. Father, we want to say thank you for your word. We are so, so grateful for what you're doing. We thank you that your word says we have to be the salt of the earth, the light of the world. Lord, you didn't think some more. You thought all-embracing the whole world. Father, we ask you right now, I release creativity because we are connected to the creator of the universe. We have him living inside of us. Father, I just thank you for uh, just creative ideas, inventions, Thoughts and ideas that only come from you, Father. Songs that we hear from heaven. Movie scripts and ideas that come from heaven. Lord, we thank you, God, 
that we will influence, influence the seven mountains. If you've called people to, to parliament, if you call them to government leadership, if you call them to the arts or entertainment, that we see that as ministry, we see that as full-time calling, a vocation. Whether it's business, it's full-time calling into God's kingdom, influencing our spheres. We thank you that you release every person here into great influence. Increase what you've given us, Lord. We thank you for business owners. We thank you for teachers. We thank you for tradespeople. We thank you, Lord, for anyone that has said yes to you. They influence their family, their friends, and their sphere. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name. listening to the GGC Life Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com or email us, ggclife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.